Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, ready to get a, a little black and blue today? Because uh, yeah. we, uh, yeah, we get to cover the AFC North. And um, before we get into the specifics of the AFC North, uh, and we're starting with the fourth most likely team by market to win this division. The general tone of today's and Wednesday's podcast for me is going to feel like I'm planting a flag and really kind of making some strong positions when in reality, I just think this is really close. I think all four of these teams are very good. I think all four of these teams have high ceilings. I think any of these four teams could find themselves in the second week of the AFC playoffs in the final four among AFC playoff teams. I don't think any of them are that likely to win the AFC. I was going to say, but I was going to say the same thing. There's there's like all the teams I can envision them winning a round one playoff game. There's no real glaring weaknesses. It's really tough to differentiate between these guys. This is uh this is some good this is gonna be some good football. I will yeah, not be surprised if a lot three of them that I could see in the title in like the AFC title game. Yeah. And I, that, I guess that sort of upside. Like there's a there's a lot of NFL this year that I'm not like super excited to see. Like you know, I, I don't really care for that game. I don't really care for that division. I don't really have any there's no juice there. I think every AFC North game is going to freaking rock. <laughs> <laughs> and that has me excited. Um, so it's going to be a uh, uh, a fun couple of podcasts. But before we go there, I just want to uh, pour out uh, a little uh, old English for our ladies in Australia. Holy crap! Was that a disappointing effort from the U.S. Women's National Team? More, yeah. Um, I lost money on this. I regret getting involved at all. I obviously did not really, you know, really fully recognize how significant the transition was uh, of talent, particularly on the uh, scoring side of the ball. Um, I would expect there are some major shakeups in terms of management, in terms of roster composition between the next, this comp, this one and the next major international competition. Um, but uh, did you have any thoughts about what went wrong for uh, the old uh, red, white, and blue ladies? Yeah, just the finishing. I mean, if you go look at the stats, the XG stats, and some of the some of the attacking numbers, we should have probably scored a little more. We we got bit by the regression bug, and when you you know when you ha- when that happens to you in knockout tournament, and you can't finish, um, you get put into coin flip situations with teams you shouldn't be in coin flip situations, and sometimes a PK goes well over the top of the crossbar there, like uh, Rapinos did, and. You know, uh, some other people didn't get it done, such as life. It's been a weird tournament. There's been a lot of, uh, if you like underdogs, long shots, there's been some really good results, some big numbers. Uh, I've seen some pretty sharp guys get after it with some some of that. Uh, so I'm not allowed, I'm not sure, like, what you're allowed to be, like, be mad about. Because everyone's, you know, it's, it's like a hot-butting topic talking about this team for some reason. I've seen people arguing online, but... 
like well, there's a lot of mad, there's a lot of mad men who you know. I know, just, and you know, that's like right. Don't, dance, and it's kind I of. I don't, I don't yeah. want to fall into that, but I did no. love Rapino's um, <laughs> comments afterwards. I'd no. like to, maybe no. I should see the whole interview to see if there's some context. But it's like, what was your favorite memory of this? Uh, it wasn't like, hey, my, you know, one last go around with the teammates, seeing some of the young ones. It was getting getting paid, like getting the, you know, equal pay. It was that. It was important, and that's awesome that they achieved that. But it was—it felt like the wrong answer at the wrong time. Like you just—you just lost, and you know, pretty poor fashion. Like there's Thanks, a different man. time to focus on that. So, all right, goofy, goofy tournament, and yeah, we're weird. It's good. It's funny too when I I proclaimed the U.S. dead in the first game, um, and on Twitter, and I said, "Congrats, Germany." who do you want to jinx yeah who who do you want to jinx who who do i want to kill yeah and that's yeah Yeah. can you kill england because i don't think england's priced right yeah especially with the red card they absorbed three lions three lions doing it again (laughs) thank you thank you thank you england no i think is the only bet i would make um, All right, from uh, down under to the mistake on the li- no, no. I'm so the fourth to- choice is Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh. Kind of right. crazy, man. With the three um, All right, so I've made some weekly held, you know, takes over the balance of uh, these preview pods over all the other NFL stuff that I've done. Maybe the one of a couple of hot takes involved this team, the Steelers. And this was not something that I ever expected because, and, it, and I kind of should have seen this coming. Like, I bet a lot of Steelers last year, especially down the stretch. Down yeah. the stretch, they were was, they never they were a they bet didn't on. get caught up to quick enough. No. It's like, hey, this team isn't, well, and also it wasn't like, we we never had that conversation where like, hey, Kenny Pickett is getting it, and he is a legit quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. We need to be betting on this team. That's not how they were winning. He still couldn't hit guys fifteen yards down the field with consistency. He still wasn't doing a lot of things right. But just it was like a you know the sum of the parts. A lot of things got a little bit better at the same time, yeah. and they progressed into this team that won a lot of close games down the stretch. Was mm-hmm. You know, the, they had a faint glimmer of hope in week 18. They needed a lot of help, but they got their game done. And they, um, you know, I think it was the loss to the Dolphins earlier in the year that cost them the playoff spot with the tie break. But, I mean, this was not a team that I expected to be in it at the end of the year after, I mean, what was it, two and six to start the year heading into the bye? And, I mean, the the losses to – um you know, like the Eagles got shellacked. They get, it was, I guess it was the biggest loss ever by margin for Tomlin, the 38 to three loss at Buffalo. Like when, when you're starting a rookie quarterback or at some point to early, early in the season, certain Trubisky losing really bad to really good teams on the road, whatever I can forgive mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It was just some, some of the other coin toss games. It felt like, man, you guys are, mm-hmm. you're better coached than this. It was really disappointing. So maybe, maybe the turnaround wasn't as surprising once we kind of look at it from a, oh, yeah, who's the coach and, you know, the, the systems that have been put in yeah. place. And- so 2021 was a surprise Steelers playoff appearance. They got smushed by the Chiefs, I believe, in the 2-7. Um, and, uh, 
Ben Roethlisberger retires. The Steelers use their first-round draft capital on the only quarterback who was taken in the first two rounds. Is that right? I believe that's yeah. right. Um, and we all had a good old laugh because Kenny Pickett, while staying in the city of Pittsburgh, as he was a Pittsburgh local, had little tiny hands at the combine. And he wears two gloves. And it's it's not your traditional kind of um, you know makeup of uh, a quarterback who's going to succeed, particularly one that plays in a black and blue division and outdoors in some wicked weather for a bunch of the season. Uh, so it was a pretty... Um, it was a pretty straightforward thing to have low expectations for Pickett as a rookie if he even got on the field. And then you combine that with the fact that a very common talking point leading into last year's Steelers campaign was, well, Matt Canada stinks, but now he's at least not burdened by having to construct his offense to what Ben Roethlisberger had left in the tank. Yeah, which you're was only, weird. only allowed to <laughs> yeah. have shotgun snaps. Yeah. I don't. What was it? He didn't like motion. He didn't like the yeah. distraction of like. He didn't like play action because he didn't like his back to the. Yeah, he didn't didn't like yeah. play action. So yeah, it was. I mean, there was, was a, a lot offense, of restrictions yeah. on Matt Canada. Yeah. And as hard as we were on him, the more I look at it, that's a weird transition. And then you're also starting with a bit of a raw product, even though it's not like he didn't play a yeah. million games in college. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm easing up on him a little. Obviously, I will be right at his throat with your pitch, pitchfork again by week five yeah. if I don't see things uh, kind of turn out how they hope they turn yeah. out. But that was, that was a weird transition to be sure. Yeah, and I think it was easy to be pessimistic that Canada was the answer at offensive coordinator, uh, especially when you're like, okay, gold, good luck getting it done with Mitch Trubisky and then Kenny Pickett, whatever he has. And you looked at the Steelers' schedule and you're like, I'm not even sure where you drop Kenny Pickett in here. Like the whole middle of the <laughs> schedule was just murderers, bro. And it's like, good Lord, what are you going to do here? And so it was easy to be a little bit bearish on the Steelers last year heading into the season. Uh, and I think a lot of those whiffs exist today. I think there's still a lot of people who are like, eh, I'm not sold on Kenny Pickett. Like, I got a statistical profile for all of the last year. It wasn't very good, especially early in the season. But that actually is, you know, I think useful signal to tell you that he improved. Uh, similarly with Canada. I think Canada gave you a half a season's worth of tape that he still did not get it. And I think a lot of people expected that he might have been a, a material change in the coaching staff in the offseason and that Tomlin would go in a different direction. But Canada retained his position. And so I think there's a little whiff in the air of 2023 Steelers that, well, Kenny Pickett's still the third best quarterback in this division and Canada is probably the worst offensive coordinator. And for those reasons, you just really can't believe that this team's going to all of a sudden take this division by storm and win. The thing is, if you do do the sum of the parts in terms of the players... Yeah, there are a lot of good players on this team. And it's there a, are a lot it is of a very good roster. There are a lot of good units and a lot of strong and a lot of depth. And every you know, the the young the players that they have drafted and developed in Pittsburgh, like I, it's it kind of easy to just acknowledge and just let yourself fall into the fact that these guys are good at evaluating talent. And they are good at getting the most out of that talent by developing their young players. The Steelers have been doing this for 20 years of get, you know, going out and finding a guy that they think can do well in the third round. And then, oh, my God, two years into his career, we could be talking about George Pickens as like the wide receiver five in the NFL. Like that's not a crazy outcome that could happen this year uh, if he you know, carries what we saw last year and some of the highlights of his college career into the season. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty 
obvious, at least, that this is a well-run organization, good at drafting and developing talent. Uh, and I think they have a really deep, talented team overall that has done kind of the ideal way to do an NFL team, which is to say you don't have a ton of money dedicated to your quarterback right now. You're doing the you're you're taking some swings with the quarterback on a rookie deal, and you can retain the players that you drafted and developed because you have so much cap flexibility and so much money to put towards uh, the, you know, the TJ Watts and the Cam Haywards and the Alex Highsmiths and the Minka Fitzpatrick's and, you know, the, all these guys can get fairly compensated and you don't have to see them walk out the door. And I think that's, that's pretty cool and it's worth acknowledging. Um, and, you know, I think there are plenty of reasons to, to recognize the Steelers as a high floor team independent of whatever Kenny Pickett looks like this year, independent of whatever Matt Canada's offense looks like this year. And I think for those reasons, they're a little closer to the top of this division than the market realizes. I think five to one is plus five fifty, excuse me, is uh somewhat disrespectful. Yeah, I'm I'm close. I'm not as bullish as you just because you have two legitimate MVP candidates in the division. <laughs> Yeah, it, it'd be a lot easier for you to sell me the Steelers if they weren't in this division. And oh, at the yeah, same no time, question. Like, but then you wouldn't get this price, I don't think. No, I, yeah. I, I think I'd need like a six or seven to okay. bet them. They got they just have to. I, I get that it's a really high floor, but they have to leapfrog two really good quarterbacks with two. What we're finding out is at, at least a pretty stable coaching staff in Cincinnati and a good coaching staff, obviously in, in Baltimore. And then we haven't even got to, to Hey, here's a guy that was a, you know, a top 10 quarterback for three, four years in a row and then didn't play for a long time and got a few massages. And we don't know how that, and obviously that's, they're kind of the same story. Go look at that roster on paper. It's like, shit, if Watson's good, this is a really good team. They're probably another team that you could see winning a playoff game that said, and then they're all in the AFC. You know, it's not if it'd be like, man, if this was like an NFC, the the next words out of my mouth would be like, do all four teams make the playoffs? It's not <laughs> crazy. Like, uh, there's going to be some collateral damage. Well, no, and but right? you know, in the in the AFC, there's just there's three, maybe four decent teams in the East. You know, you, you have the West with a couple decent teams as well. One really good one. It's going to be hard to you know get multiple multiple much less three that's crazy talk i'm just saying if this were an nfc team it'd be like man does this yeah. team finish yeah. like third or fourth and still, <laughs> they're, they're you know they're still looking at maybe making the playoffs so yeah i agree uh, with that. yeah last last year was hard to grade and i wanted to go back yeah, a little quick before we moved on to some of the changes tough. because it's like you look at like just the wins and losses be like oh that was a nice that was a nice win um week when they're over the Bengals. do you remember that they they I coughed do. up they coughed up the touchdown at the end and then somehow blocked the extra point, went in overtime. It felt <laughs> a little fluky. Um, and then just, you know, like once Pickett did see time, it didn't feel good. The week four, he they were down four. He, they were down there. He threw an end zone interception and the comeback. Obviously, the just absolute ass kickings they took from the Bills and Eagles didn't feel very good going into the bye. We had some, uh, you know, in, actually the, the injuries really only took, truthfully one man meaningfully but that one man is quite the man and probably a perennial defensive player of the year so losing any time for him sucks um then some of the wins late so 
They were three and seven after 10 games, which is an, again, a credits to Tomlin. Like how did this team end up with a winning record? And then yeah. so they, they rattled off those five wins in six weeks, all of them one score games. And then, you know, obviously uh, at that point, the, the week's 18 game was played against a, an already eliminated Browns team. They played well. Uh, obviously the Steelers did play well. They got the win. They needed a lot of help, but it was, it was weird. Some of the transition we saw at the quarterback and what they were trying to do with the passing game. Cause it was clear that, I don't know when, when Pickett needed to kind of make the read on a deeper route, it didn't go well. Like yeah. I said, I mean, it just, you can go look at Alice's stats. Like a lot of the intermediate stuff was shit. He was great. Uh, There's a really good, like just bundle of stats from uh, from the Almanac, the FAO Almanac on them. And it was basically kind of showing like, hey, they didn't have any yak. That's you know, they, they rated so low in, in yards after catch in a bunch of different ways. And it just, when a team can't go deep and can barely hit the, the intermediate stuff, and you know they're just going to go short over and over again, they were pretty effective with it. They got first downs, but it's like they, they were just hitting the pass and getting tackled immediately over and over because it was, they ranked very high in like, uh, what was it, plays per drive. But the efficiency numbers to go with like actual success were very low at the same time. So it was a yeah. I'm sorry, Lipscomb. Yeah, the under seven and a half sitting at three and seven. Feeling pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Um, Okay, so let's go back to week one. That was an absurd one. Like a truly absurd one. Uh, It took. I think. I don't know. I'm not even looking at the stats. Joe Burrow threw three picks and got sacked seven times, something like that. And they were still in it with the mixed with an extra point to win. They forced five turnovers on the Bengals that day. Five, five. That's, that's how you beat the Bengals in overtime, guys. <laughs> five, unbelievable. Um, but the uh, the weird things about that game, yeah, the Bengals still should have won in regulation. They didn't. They should have won in overtime. Evan McPherson yeah, I, missed a 29-yard field goal. He must have been he must have gotten hurt. I don't really remember exactly what happened, but Evan McPherson was automatic as a rookie. We he was automatic. Guy could not miss. And he missed an extra point and he missed a 29-yard field goal that would have given him the win in overtime. And then they're driving third and four with a minute 30 to play. They're at the Pittsburgh 38. Literally just anything but a sack, and they're going to try to McPherson now to try to win it again. Burrow gets sacked and fumbles, and the Steelers got oh the I long snapper. About that. Long snapper okay. didn't get. I remembered something weird. Something weird happened in that one. It was the long snapper. That's right. Whatever the case was, uh, yeah, credit to the Steelers. They never gave up. They never quit. They were six and a half point dogs. I want to say um, at home. Is that right? It was. Uh, they were meaningful dogs. I, yeah, it's close seven. Jesus. So yeah, a good, really good win for them. But yeah, that was the only high point of the entire first half of the season until we got the surprise win against the Buccaneers. Another game where you were huge dogs. Um, you drop uh, Kenny Pickett yeah, the, in the at least Bucks, awesome time. The Bucks had a two pointer to tie that game late that they missed. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, they, they almost lost that, or I mean, they would have been tied at that point. I was yeah. I believe, if I remember correctly, Pickett came in not by necessity because something happened to Trubisky, but because Trubisky was not effective, 
and they were ready to pull the trigger on on the Kenny Pickett experience. But boy, oh boy, did they put him in at the worst possible time. You get to face the defenses of the Jets, the Bills, the Bucks, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. That's your first five starting defenses you got to play as if as a, a rookie quarterback. That's horrific way to start your career uh and the fact that they kind of took all the tape through that stretch and made some tweaks in the bye week to make him a more effective guy down the stretch just speaks to the brilliance of the coaching overall uh you know not necessarily the coordinating as much as just the general like getting the most out of your players is tough and they did it uh they were super feisty against the Bengals the second time they played they won they lost uh 37 30 in a game where their offense finally showed up um that was sort of the eye-opener for me of oh this is a bet on team they didn't cover that game but it was like if they can get to 30 against big lou and the bengals like something's different here you know there's something there there's a there there um and yeah the rest of the way they were an easy bet week in week out market was rating them as a bottom five team and uh they were two and a half point dogs at indianapolis andy Never forget it. Uh, that was a get back of all the money I lost on the Raiders game. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Raiders Colts. <laughs> that was, that that was the fun one. Um, they were one point dogs at Atlanta. They won. Uh, they were. They should have beat the the Ravens week thirteen as one and a half point favorites. Uh, in my opinion, uh, and then they finished the season with four straight wins, uh, largely on the strength of their defense that had a, uh, a healthy TJ Watt back. Now, they did not allow 20 points to anyone after they played the Bengals in week 10. That's crazy. That is a hell of a run. And it wasn't because they were slowing the game down. It wasn't number of snaps. It was just the defense's extremely yeah. well coordinated uh and uh yeah they kicked absolutely little, little Colin, i mean i do want to give them credit the defense we've seen this year in and year out through changes many many years of the tomlin regime he's gotten the defense sorted out sometimes yeah. a little quicker than this and i do want to give the defense credit but it also coincided with a bunch of really like probably soft quarterback spots for them but that's the thing. Like you see, you see teams play those same teams and give up points to you know whatever we we're getting a Ritter at that point from the Falcons and on the road. You know, you, uh, Carolina was sneaky with some people. Like you still have to go out there and do it. So a lot of credit to Tomlin that defense and obviously getting Watt back made a big difference. But that's kind of what they needed because the offense wasn't exactly prolific. Yeah. Uh, if anything, a little. Uh, much less consistent when they were. You'd yeah. see little flashes, but we couldn't get it consistently. So you needed that defense to show up if you wanted to get into the playoff race. They did, obviously didn't quite get there, but probably a, a successful season against a kind of a tough schedule all in all, if you consider yeah. the teams they played and the division they play in. And, you know, it's uh, kind of running it back with, truthfully, most yeah. of the changes, I guess, on defense – just the craziest part, there's probably going to be six of 11 spots where we're looking at a new starter, and that's basically where we're at. And then, obviously, the the changes, the, the biggest changes are adding some offensive linemen, yeah. adding, uh, adding the guard from the mm -hmm. Eagles. That was important, I guess. If you want to rebuild that left side, uh, Broderick Jones. And it's been a long time since they drafted a, an offensive lineman that high. But uh, he is definitely not starting right now. He is no. not, not winning in camp. 
And if you go look at Dan Moore's numbers from last year, it's not like, oh, this guy's stuck behind a pretty good player. It's, yeah. uh, it's a little little worrisome, but we've seen this a few times with some of these these big left tackles that come into the league over the past few years. It does take a little time. So for their sake, hopefully he starts to get it, but seems uh seems a little lost from all the reports you're reading from camp so far. Um, I'm going to err on the side of Dan Moore took a step forward rather than Broderick Jones is not a, not a guy. Um, all the beat Steelers beat guys were kind of glowing after mini camp. They were like Dan Moore is like he's he's shown up like he's uh, he's taking this opportunity to try to and not going to, you know, not going to concede that job easily. So I think it's more about how well Dan Moore is playing than Broderick Jones not being the guy yet that all that said um, in the blind. I think the Steelers were probably the best money line bet last year, week in, week out. They won outright uh, as dogs seven times, uh, including as uh, let me look at the ones that they lost, that they won outright as dogs. Nine and a half points to Tampa, seven to Cincy, and then uh, a bunch that were inside of a field goal. But I think they probably were the one of the better, you know, with better return on return on investment teams money line across the whole NFL last year. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, the 2022 roster had pretty clear flaws and issues and holes, and overall, I like what they did to address that stuff. Um, and kind of in keeping with the theme of they know how to evaluate talent, the guys that they let walk out the door were guys that were underperforming. Um, Devin Bush Jr., I think, underperformed his draft capital. Uh, Miles Jack was fine last year, but not worth keeping at the price you were going to have to pay for him. Uh, they let Chase Claypool uh, get uh, you know head, head out the door for draft capital from the Bears. That turned out to be the best trade any team made last year. And as far as I could tell you, uh, they got the effectively a first round pick for Chase Claypool. Amazing. Um, Terrell Edmonds, I think, was a hair overrated. Cameron Sutton, I think, was a hair overrated. Uh, Arthur Mallett, Spillane, Tyson Alalu, Malik Reed, Chris Wormley, all of these guys that uh, you know that are gone are not needle movers for me. Um, so I don't really have issues with how they did self-evaluation. No, who they I, I think the, the needle mover for me, Drew, is just it's it's volume. Like you, you lost sure, it's somebody, a lot of guys. You, yeah, it's you a lot lost of somebody at like basically everywhere. You lost, yeah. you lost somebody right up front. You lost uh, inside linebackers. You lost three corner. linebackers. You lost, yeah, you lost a safety. You lost kind of your. I mean, you basically lost you kind of both both ends of your cornerback room. The the Joey Porter pick, which I believe that was the the pick they got for yeah, in the trade with the Bears. So that turned out all right. We'll see. Um, you can read this most places. The Patrick Peterson thing probably maybe doesn't fit as well as where he was in Minnesota. Although he probably Are doesn't fit. Are you sure about that? He doesn't fit in in Minnesota anymore. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. a couple couple thoughts here. So. Um, I like the I like the move to bring in the uh, the guard Isaac Sayamalo. I think I'm saying Sam, right. Sayamulo. Sayamulo. Um, nice move. Uh, he's good. Uh, I like uh, Elandon Roberts. Uh, he's an upgrade at linebacker over the guys you let leave. Uh, I like Marcus Golden as a um, 
uh, as a situational pass rusher a lot. I think he find, he has a nice role. Uh, and I think the guys that you elevated into the positions that you vacated are as good, if not better, than the guys that left. So um, this defense should be just fine. Um, and the Patrick Peterson conversation is interesting because he falls into the category of a guy that has you know he's come up with a way to have a second act here like i'm not telling you he was an all pro last year he was not um but he was definitely above replacement level at cornerback for the vikings and uh apparently they're going to utilize him as a nickelback role this year so he's it's they're kind of putting him in the perfect uh situation i think to use his smarts to be an effective defender uh and i think that helps the secondary overall i think uh, anyone you put around the core of this team is, you know, you're just going to get production out of them because the core itself is so freaking high floor. Uh, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward, all absolute all pros, no question. Minka Fitzpatrick, all pro, great on him. Alex Highsmith, well above replacement level. Um, and uh, yeah, interesting, interesting players from a depth standpoint. I like Larry Ogunjobi, uh plenty. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I think just the coaching alone would make uh, a lot of these guys stand out to me as um, exciting prospects. And you combine it with the, uh, you know, the absolute all-star talent that the blue chip all-star talent that's on this defense. I think this unit's going to be very good. Yeah, I just I worry about Peterson and his age trying to play in this sort of defense. Minnesota played like eighty-five percent zone, and that's a really sure. good way to like kind of hide not not only hide his weaknesses but probably brings up some of his strengths too is just a you know an older savvy veteran so if they try to if if they have to move around because they're bringing in you know a rookie who's looked good in camp porters look good again i'd like to see him in some actual live action but uh we'll get that this weekend but if they have to put patrick peterson outside and they're going to be playing a lot of man like they do I'm not so sure I love that at his age. So it's basically, you know, I, I worry that there is some fragility to this cornerback room. I'm, okay. I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm hopeful. And I, I think the coaching staff is smart enough to get the most out of all the guys that are back there. But there's a lot of fragility with a really old guy and a rookie trying to come in and be two thirds of that cornerback room at, at any given point. And I'm not, I'm not super sold on some of the depth throughout the, you know, the back half of the defense. Although the, I like all the moves they made, like you said, there wasn't like a, a replacement here on the defense. Where it's like, ah, that's a, that's a big like. It's the closest I can get to is cornerback. That's why I want to harp sure, on it. Sure, sure, sure. The, the other moves they made on defense were at least lateral if not upgrades and if watts healthy and the way this coaching staff builds up and develops young players i i don't see how this isn't a, another good defense if not right away at least part way through the season yeah and i think but, their strength uh, is like, pretty like everyone said the pretty pretty high floor based on yeah. that and the type of offense we're gonna see yeah from a personal standpoint i have them top 10 in the league on defense i have them the best defense in their division not by a ton, but the best. Um, for me, Pittsburgh is six, Baltimore's thirteen, Cleveland is sixteen, Cincinnati is seventeen. Cleve the Cleveland stands out there gonna hate the my my takes on their defense when we get there next pod. But um sixth overall defense, star power and watt pass rush is clear top five for me. Uh DBs I have borderline top ten, mostly because of Fitzpatrick. 
Um, and uh, my only weakness is the linebacking core. And I, honestly, if your defensive line is as good as theirs is, and you have players like Watt and Hayward who are as good in the run stop as theirs are, then who cares if your off-ball linebackers aren't, uh, you know, the world's greatest tacklers. So, and, you know, they have their own drafted and developed youth that they're expecting to fill some of these roles. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how guys like, you know, the, the Nick Herbigs of the world and the, uh, and the uh, Quincy Rochers of the world uh, ultimately develop under their, uh, their coaching. So um, interesting, uh, uh, interesting to note that uh, TJ Watt, is being largely forgot about, I think, as a true elite defensive player, even though he's still very much in his prime. And, and, and the scheme, the scheme they're gonna run, if if he's healthy, like the guy just has 20 sacks in his pocket. Like that's yeah, feels kind of median if he's completely healthy and they decide to this is we're not changing what the defense is partway through the season. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I maybe it is some of the injuries he's suffered over the years, but He's two years um, removed from the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was the second choice defensive player of the year. Before that, he was the third choice. Um, he only played in 10 games last year, although considering the injury he sustained, I was kind of surprised he came back as early as he did. I thought he might have been done for the season. And not only did he come back and play well down the stretch, but uh, um, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, that, that he fought hard to get back on, uh, out there on the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's a disruptor in a lot of ways. I, I'm just very, I think ultimately the fact that you have that star power combined with a lot of other really good pieces as well. Him, Hayward, and like, just, if, if you could build a defense with a bunch of replacement level players, let's see, you get to start with TJ <laughs> Watt, Cam Hayward, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably tell you, oh, shit, I'll try that. Like and you know there yeah. there are definitely players that outside of those three that are above their placement levels. Yep, I, I do have high hopes. Obviously, every year for this defense. Okay, and like I said, how it meshes with what I think they're building on the offense because you know they, they invested in the offensive line through free agency and the draft. Yeah, they drafted another tight end that obviously is. If you read any Steelers stuff, I don't know if there's a guy getting more hype out of the rookie class in Washington, who's also uh, – God, I'm trying to think what movie this was. Boondock Saints? Just a, a friggin' huge dude. Like, <laughs> that sounds like Boondock Saints. I, I had that in my head earlier. Um, but yeah, he's just massive. And not only, you know, another receiving threat, especially where, you know, we, we've seen we can thrive with the system with Pickens so far, short to intermediate. Um He's also a really good blocker. They're putting they're putting this uh, God is this uh, the guard? They're running more fullback sets. They this, have oh, through this, with the center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they took the backup center, and it's like they they did it once. Ken, not Kendra, Kendra Green, yeah. yeah. Kendrick Green is like uh, playing fullback. They have good they have good running backs. They've added you know more players that can block in the run game, and it's a good run scheme. It might just be like a. I don't know if we're getting Atlanta North here. It's like, you know, hey, Kenny Pickett's ceiling is this, but mm-hmm. we're really good at uh really good at scheming runs, we're really good at sequencing this. And I don't know if it's just gonna be a really ugly offense. If if that's the case too, yeah. 
doesn't that feel like a case where if they just do what they did last season, especially the second half of last season, and the defense plays well, and it's kind of a gross cross the street a million times offense, isn't it, isn't it like hard for the market to want to have a taste for that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, they won another close game. Oh, 20 to 17 it, again. God damn it. Oh, and guys. you look at it another like, one. oh, they play they play elite defense and they can run the ball at any given point. Like, how are they winning these close games? <laughs> like, how are they keeping these leads in the fourth quarter? Yeah. You know, so but it does feel like if that's the case and it's not this flashy, holy shit, Joe Burrow's good, holy shit, Mahomes is good, you know. When these when these players take that step, holy shit, Justin Herbert's good. When they take that step, it's like, oh, the, everybody wants to, you know, pile on. But market sentiment doesn't really get excited about a team winning games like that. No, I think you you get. I mean, let's pull up the. This is a fragile uh, game states. Yeah, they and that I think that's fine. Um, we'll, we'll get to the schedule yeah. in a second. I suppose we should grade so, this offseason. Yeah, little. so I have I have the Pittsburgh offense graded seventeenth in the NFL. Uh, you're the fourth best offense in your division. That's the bad news. Um, good news is there's no like real standout problem. The offensive line I have is 16th. Uh, I remember being especially out on those guys last year. Like, wow, they suck. They should have drafted an offensive lineman. Oh, this unit's terrible. Um, they got better throughout the season, I thought. Again, good coaching and development. Uh, interior offensive line. I have middle of the pack. That's good. You want Kenny Pickett to have time to continue to learn how to play quarterback. Then you got the right guys, you know, up, you know, to to help you get that accomplished. Um, and your skill position group is good. Najee Harris had a tale of two seasons as well. He was like an absolute turd through most of the first half of the season, and then he had like a sit down with somebody at the pie, and they were like you're going to lose your job if you don't start trying a little harder here buddy cuz he it, it didn't it wasn't even from i it wasn't how he was used it wasn't uh like a health thing he literally was just was like okay play better <laughs> okay fine i'll play better like that was try, kind of the please try harder please try harder okay fine let's do this uh, I don't even think it was a try. It might have been a try thing. Who knows? Whatever the case was, that was sort of the outsider's ex- you know, kind of uh, experience. But I like the I like the wide receiver room. It's a little thin. If something it's happens to Deontay thin. Johnson or George Pickens, we're going to be sending some some. Yeah, some you got Calvin Austin there. and yeah. Gunnar Olszewski. <laughs> it's it's incredibly thin because yeah. I'm not I'm not getting. My needle isn't moving for Allen Robinson. You know who feels like a uh, you know who feels like a Pittsburgh Steeler to me. Um, Cooper Cup, go make a deal for Cooper Cup. The Rams aren't winning shit this year. Go off, go go make an offer. Oh man, go make an offer. Just a, an elite. Slot didn't he fit? Didn't pitcher. he fit exactly with Pickens and and Deontay Johnson and helps Pickett? You'd have, you'd have two hundred catches. Yeah. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Um, might as well bring a, you know, a McVeigh offensive guy with him <laughs> and get rid of Canada. But that's another story. Um, the uh, skill position group is good. It's top ten for me. It's even though it's top ten, it's third best at your division. <laughs> uh, and you're kind of your your low grade right now is quarterback. But you know, again, like he's not asked to do much, and there's a realistic ceiling, you know, realistic step forward that could happen this year. 
And if that happens, then all of a sudden we're talking not about the 17th best offense. If Kenny Pickett is league average quarterback, this is now, uh, you know, borderline top 10 offense, I think. Uh, compare that with the top, clear top 10 defense, and I think you're talking about a team that is going to surprise and win a bunch of games and maybe win the division and definitely maybe win Mike Tomlin, his elusive Coach of the Year award. Uh, <laughs> all right, great offseason grades, B plus. B, yeah. B, yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing really. Nothing fancy, yeah, nothing really. Yeah. You went. You went and addressed the issues. You lost cornerbacks. You went and got cornerbacks. You lost other defenders at, you know, up front in the middle and at linebacker. You re, you replaced those. And honestly, a, a couple places I I read some stuff about. It's basically like they're what they got at linebacker isn't. I forget how they put it. And I wish I had credit for somebody here, but basically said like this isn't as flashy. These aren't guys that are just running downhill and making blocks miss and trying to cause chaos. These guys are kind of your steady Eddie lunch pale guys. Yeah. Gap well just gap security. Yeah. Not like they're they're not gonna get beat. And that's gonna help what they because there was some struggle in the with the uh you know the overall run stop last year. Yeah, so I agree with that. I think they think you know despite the because that's what sometimes you know grades are great and it's a lot of what we have to work with unless we actually had time to sit down and watch all the film. Yeah hundred times for every player, but sometimes that's where it helps to read some of these camp reports from the guys that know the team well and say like these guys actually might fit better. So it could be some upgrades of defense. I'm I'm happy. Um and you know we'll just see how some of these rookies play out and where the wide receiver room ends up. Obviously picket picket taking any steps forward is massive. I agree with that. Uh let's look so at let's the who they play yeah this season. In the AFC. Oh, baby. Here we we go. Here we go. Um, It is not. Back in that first game. You know, you're in the same kind of sense, sentiment and theme that we did the NFC East last last week, where we were basically like the 2022 schedules for all these teams are easy. Just recognize that. And then from there, the schedules for all these teams this year are harder. Okay. Well, the schedules for everyone in the AFC North are hard by default. Like you have six games against the Ravens, Browns, and Bengals. Those are going to be hard fought games, period. Doesn't matter, uh, you know, who's healthy, who's, you know, who's injured. In fact, Andy, what's still saying? Throw out the records uh, when, when these teams get together. Like that's two, you know, <laughs> the, the, these two teams. Yeah. There, there's between, you know, a round robin of those teams, the amount of love lost is still 0.0. <laughs> there isn't a single love lost. That's true. Um, but as far as things go, as you know, the, the, the fact that none of these schedules are easy, this is about as good as you could have hoped for. For an, uh, you know, as far as just relative strength, I Especially think the, this the is the team easier. I described who plays sound above average maybe good defense and is a boring short west coast kind of hybrid that runs the ball a little too often but it works like put me in 15 coin flips shit yeah yeah, yeah of I'm, course I'm probably, like yeah. I'm, we're not we're not going to pay court cincinnati and no likely although it happens 
Um, you know, San Francisco at home is kind of a bum break to start the season with Baltimore on the road. If you were going to play Brock Purdy, any if you were gonna the entire yeah. of the entire schedule, when would you pick it, Andy? You I mean, pick it, it would first. Be week one. You yeah. pick him. Yeah, you pick it week one. Um, Trey, it might be Trey Lance. It might be Trey Lance. It His might be aren't flattering. No, um, no, it's probably going to be Purdy. And I think honestly, like. The Niners have some soul searching to do about putting Purdy uh, up against this pass rush week one. Yeah. Like, seriously, <laughs> you guys sure you want to do this for his first his first game speed is going to be Purdy? You know, he's going to, you know, his first game speed is going to be against, against TJ Watt and the Monsters uh, up in on the road. Like, this is uh, it's about as uh, advantageous a time to face them as possible. Um, now, granted, the Niners are also going to have 900 other injuries and. You know, none of those are going to have happened yet. <laughs> so you, you you are playing them at full strike. Patrick um, is asking why the Titans play every Thursday <laughs> night game. Because during most of the fall, they need to clear the city out during, yeah. on the weekends for bachelor parties. So That's correct. They force, they force Tennessee <laughs> to Thursdays quite often. That's TNF is also being rebranded as Thursday night football this year. So it's all Titans also, games. <laughs> I don't, when, when was it you could flex into it? How late in the season? Uh, I think it's early that's, this year. That's yeah. gonna be a fucking disaster. Yeah, and twelve. So teams are gonna be so, yeah. their asses will be incredibly chapped about that. Yeah, Thursday um, night, early, um, early by. I don't know that. Get... I don't know that the pit is live against San Francisco. I don't, but I do know that they are live against Cleveland, Las Vegas, and Houston, and Baltimore before they're by. Um, so I don't know. You know, I I don't. The idea of heading into that buy with like a one and four or oh and five, I don't think is very realistic. Is that fair? No, it feels like a you know two and three, three and two, an awful lot of times, and then you have four winnable games off the buy. It's a road game across the country, but who knows what state the Rams will be in at that point? Yeah, and you have your your rest. You come back home for two in a row against a couple teams you can beat. Jacksonville and Tennessee are not pushovers, but they're, you know, these are home games against teams that are rated similarly. Obviously, Tennessee a little lower than you get Green Bay coming in, which, truthfully, if I want to play them, I'd want to play them early too. Just yeah, to would, yeah. not get love, get his feet under him. But at least it's at home. That's a that's a tough environment for a young quarterback. And then, the, you know, all the, like you said, all the division ones are tough. You have two tough division road games, like going one and one there, shake hands on that any day. Because it feels like 0-2 happens a bit. That's a tough one, too. And then, you know, some winnable ones again with Arizona, New England, Indy, before you get into the grinder. And, yeah, if you if you do make the playoffs and yeah. you do end up wild card, it will be a third straight road game after <laughs> you going across to Seattle, get, down yeah. to Baltimore, and then what? You're going to get out. thrashed. Yeah, a third straight road game with a – you know, a second-year quarterback, obviously very, very, um, you know, experienced coaching staff, but that's a tough ask. Travel for the third straight week with a quarterback who's never prepped for the playoffs before, and whew, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a tough – that's why I think – and we'll look at the odds after this. It's a tough ask to – Convince me on even a long number for like AFC or Super okay. Bowl for this team. Even even yeah, if no, no, oh. bullish on this team. There's, oh, I think, dude. there's more conservative ways to attack it. This schedule in this team, to me, again, narrative qualitative whiffs here. So bear with me, but it is take everyone by storm, shock the world, win the North, 
and then Kenny Pickett playoff stinker is <laughs> coming. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Buffalo like, minus seven. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, if they're in as a wild card, then you're laying the points with whoever the home favorite is. Buffalo, Cincy, KC, whoever. Um, if they are home, they're going to be home pickums probably against the best of the wild card teams. You would assume. So, could it be a fun handicap if you're talking like Chargers, fun handicap, uh, Dolphins, fun handicap. So you know if they're if they're the AFC North champs, that'll uh, that'll set up a really interesting way to bet the farm against them <laughs> in Kenny Pickett's first playoff start. Um, Especially right. if, you, if you can make some money on them throughout the season and then bring it all back and turn. Yeah. It It'd be beautiful. It'd be a beautiful. It'd be a beautiful one-two punch. Um, Look at those odds. Well, why? Uh, two, two more real quick notes on schedule for you. Uh, okay. There is a for a team that is centrally located <laughs> and plays in a really tight geographic division. Somehow they have a bunch of travel disadvantage this year, which is a little bit weird. I don't think the Steelers ever really have travel disadvantage because of their schedule. I mean, because of their division, but uh, it's going to be tough going at Vegas, at Houston, and then you have to then make another pretty quick trip thereafter to L.A. for the Rams game. Uh, granted, if your worst travel disadvantage all season is at the Rams, then I'm, I'm still pretty pretty bullish on you winning that game. Um, and then, as you mentioned, three of the last four on the road, at Indy, at Seattle, at Baltimore. And they, so they, and they I'd, could... I'd like to downgrade that travel disadvantage a little because okay. it's coming off the bye, right? Because it's coming off the bye, yeah. But it still is... Um, it's that's your that's a but... second trip, yeah. Second trip west in a matter of a few weeks, which is where I kind of I want to poke the organization a little on this. Like, you, you couldn't have asked for like Rams back Vegas back to back, you couldn't have asked for like uh, uh, you know, Seattle Vegas, Seattle Rams back to back. Like, there was there was a way to do this a little bit more elegantly than flying across the country one, two, three times, including uh, once in the second last, you know, last two weeks of the season, which is not ideal. So um, balanced schedule for, you know, for rest, not a lot of situational stuff. Yeah, it, do, no. it does take, it does take one of these where they, where they draw certain divisions for them yeah. because they're one of these central related teams. And those birdies joking about here, like all three of their division games are like, 40 mile drives 40 miles just pop over to cleveland pop over to cincy yeah baltimore, baltimore's probably the furthest from them yeah so i like if i knew who my opponents were yeah baltimore is definitely within division yeah um if i knew who my opponents were i would have pretty you know would have asked for back-to-backs and stayed out west <laughs> that would have been that would have been fun much of the coast build a little team chemistry yeah, like what are we doing so yeah i don't know um let's uh let, let's let's go for the uh the odds here because um as much as i want to be bullish on the steelers i guffaw at super bowl 45 to 1 uh, it is not a fair so price. Far. AFC twenty-five to one. This team beating elite passing offenses twice in the playoffs to me is a stretch. So I think AFC titles not realistically in the cards. And a successful season for them is get your get yourself into the playoffs and get 
Pickett's stinker out of the way. Like that's kind of success for this team for this year, in my opinion. Um, AFC North, I think, is a bettable number in the five to one range. Make the playoffs, yes, is a bettable number in the plus one twenty eight range. But I will argue till I am blue in the face that a more effective way to capture upside with the Steelers is to bet Mike Tomlin coach of the year. Uh, now, if you want to split stake a little bit and take some playoffs and take some Tomlin because Tomlin had, you know, coach of the year is a crowded market. There are some really good coaches that are going to have some really solid narratives. I understand. Um, but I think with the perception that they're going to finish fourth and the tightness of this division and the like not much has to go right. And all of a sudden, not much has to go wrong for some of the other teams injury wise you know chemistry wise offensive coordinator offense offensive scheme questions defensive personnel questions quarterback you know availability questions all of this is swirling for your opponents so if you can win this division and surprise, shock the world then tomlin coach of the year to me is uh is a really really strong case it's really good and he's like 20 to 1 uh, he was thirty to one at one point at Circle. By the way, I don't know if you saw that, but that was a while ago. Um, yeah, it's it's a big number. I think it just it's it's hard to win that if you don't win the division. So it's a parlay of things going right for this team, and the Bengals and Ravens and and honestly, Cleveland as well playing poorly. So like twenty to one doesn't do it for me on Tomlin. If there were 2530s, I'd hear it out. And I, I I like the case. It's just I'd want a slightly bigger number because you're basically parlaying so many things within this division. And it feels like the Steelers part is the easiest because they have such a high floor based on what they are. So it, the thing it, it is... does seem like they, they don't have to take this huge step forward. Uh, a big part of what it would take to get this over the top would be a little bit of a downswing, bad injury luck, bad, you know, just anything luck for a couple other teams mm-hmm. and Watson never just getting his feet because yeah. you know, being like, you know, being a 10 and seven team that gets a wild card. I don't know if that does it for me. So here's the people thing. just like Tomlin's been doing this since, you know, since forever. And he's never won. No, but he's been um, like just, just getting no, no. You know, like slightly winning records. Like, so my, my, my take there is a, a little bit of a needle to thread if they are a wild card team for him, for sure. Like for, for me, if if you're telling me that true true fair price, fair probability of the um of the Steelers winning the North is somewhere in the 20% range, which I think is conservative. It's, for me, it's closer to 25%. Um if that's the case, then does Tomlin is he in the conversation of finalists? 100%. And it's kind of now shades of gray narrative stuff that gets him over the line because he's never won. And that there, you know, they, you know, this is all conditional that there's no other runaway candidate. The other, the th- needle thread on Tomlin wildcard coach of the year is there's like, there's a realistic chance that there's just not another good candidate. I was, I was going to say like, you need the other candidates like in that case, if they don't win the division, you're also parlaying, hey, the Lions aren't good, aren't good enough. You know, some of the other, the Cowboys are not good enough. You know, some of these other chalky names, they, they can't be good. So it, it I feel like I need 30, which if it was there, I, I like it. I prefer, I'm, 
I, I, I know we say this and we said this in our kind of our futures episode in the off season where if I'm going to tie up money for this long, I want it to be, a, you know, it has to be a, a bigger a, number, yeah. a bigger number of a nice payout. But I really just want to bet to, or to, to make the playoffs with this team because like yeah. it's a concern, the, the team, everything about it is it's got this conservative vibe and it feels like I should just be betting them conservatively yeah. and getting a plus number on what I think, I think they have a really good shot at like nine, 10 wins uh, with the schedule and where I think this team is at. And just, I'd, I'd make that a little closer, like 55% than where it is to make mm-hmm. the playoffs. Yeah. You're getting plus money. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that one quite a bit. That's where I'm at. Okay. <clears throat> um, That's realistic. I don't think I, I, I thought, and I was close to pulling the trigger on TJ Watt DPOY, but I kind of cooled my jets on that a little. Um, I don't There's still enough respect on the name, but the number's not great. Right, right. Um, DPOY market has actually been moving a little bit lately. You don't know if you saw this. Now I got to check some prices. Uh, I'm not sure who's getting bet. Um, so they're just increasing, they're just increasing the hold. No, no, it's going the other way. Oh, yeah, take they, that. they're all going up. Well, I wonder um, if they're, they're, it's weird. You wonder if if in a futures book where they have a a considerably high hold like that, they ever just they ever just loosen it a little? Like, hey, we haven't taken a bet in this market for like two weeks. They're just reallocating risk and deciding <clears> like some numbers bigger. Throw, you know, just yeah, just drop drop it five percent. And reallocate a couple numbers of some guys that have been taking money in years past. Yeah. Let's well, see if we can get some bites. Eventually, we'll do an awards, an entire awards episode. And at that point, I'll give you commentary on where these opened with the big limits and what got bet and why. Um, yeah. But right now, I'm, I'm just curious to want to look into that uh, and try to figure it out. Aiden Hutchinson is plus 1250. What? Took some nice strides last year. That's yeah, that's way too short. What? There's no way he should be in the conversation with uh he shouldn't be in the conversation with the Chris Joneses at 24. True. Right? Wow, it's, weird. it's it's a an awards right. market. There's places with Justin Fields in, in single digits. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. Uh okay. Um range of outcomes for me is uh anywhere between nine and ten wins yeah very unlikely for me <laughs> to see this team <laughs> you like tight you like a tight band I get it um uh very unlikely for me to see this team winning more than one playoff game I think that stage of elimination wild card weekend you're ready to go find an app prop because that's an even better Somebody one than already the playoffs. in the chat oh they did what it's did we got 325 which oh that's even better I mean, yeah, at, stage at that, of elimination. That's that is this is the kind of team you swing on for that. This, that these, point, guys, yeah. this, this these guys in the Falcons, like the writing is on the wall. Like you both could be teams getting the Bills as a 400 season. favorite at plus 325 in that game. That's yeah, that. I like that. <laughs> that's, you know, that's better than win the uh, winning the North at five to one for sure. Higher EV. Hmm. Good one. I think I think the only problem would be that is if somebody did want to put a whole bundle down, I, I feel like the stage of elimination bet limits are a bit lower than yeah they probably the divisional pr- and they don't exist yeah. everywhere. But yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I like that. 
Okay. Um, betting, so betting plan is. Well, I guess. Well, let me ask you. Sneak. Yeah. Do you, is this is this the year that I look stupid by saying the Steelers are underrated and Mike Tomlin finally finishes under five hundred? I mean, it looked like you were last year after ten games. Yeah. <laughs> is there a step backwards by Kenny Pickett this year and Matt Canada doesn't have the goods and this team just can't get to seventeen points to win game seventeen fourteen? It's it's a realistic possibility, but the defense still keeps them in it. And I think they have a good stable of running backs and tight ends. You have at least two good wide receivers. Like there's enough skill around it to as long as he doesn't go full wins and just start giving games away. We did see that a little. Um but I liked the comments as much as I didn't like Pickett. I try to keep an open mind. I liked his comments about some late interceptions he threw. And he's like, man, we're down by two scores. Well, you want me to get conservative there? He's <laughs> like, well, it's, it's, we get, you know, he didn't, I'm paraphrasing, but basically like, uh, is it worse to lose by three or two with no chance to win? You know, like I like, I like where his head's at. If he can make strides with Canada, I'm excited to bet on this team. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Going to have our chances early. You think they are actually dogs week three in the uh, Raiders home opener on Sunday night football? <laughs> Weirdest <laughs> Sunday night football pick of all. Actually, you know what? I got to say this. I saw that and I was like, this is dumb. And I looked at the, the schedule for week three. Week three is bad. The NFL is doing this thing where they know everybody's just going to tune in early in the season. So there are some week two, week three, week four. They're going to test us as football fans. <laughs> there is some trash uh, those weeks. And I don't even know if Steelers Raiders is not the best game. <laughs> There's some bad ones. Your Monday your Monday nighter is Bram's Bengals. <laughs> the rematch of the Super Bowl oh, two there, years ago. It is unwatchable. Double, <laughs> I think there's a double Monday night that day. Oh, yeah. Eagles, Eagles Bucks, Rams, Bengals. There's like a, a couple good teams and a couple teams that used to be good. <laughs> and the good teams aren't playing each other, sadly. So, no. um, All right. Shall we uh, should we put a bow on the a steel bow on this, a steel curtain on this and call it and get over to. Clinton? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Betting plan for me is Mike Tomlin coach of the year. And I'm going to say it 900 times between now and the end of this season on this podcast, if they are winning games. So let's go. Here we go. My, one last point on that it does it just feels like remember how carol just got no credit whatsoever for anything last year yes i do sometimes it just sucks that you've been alone around so long and done it so long it it's a really the it's a really fair to, point it has to like that narrative has to be incepted into the media at a high level is how has this guy never won this award till yeah. like it's it turns into the lifetime achievement award. he's never even gotten votes andy no he's russell wilson man <laughs> I don't All actually right. know. I, I don't know if it's true that he never got votes. I'm just making shit up at this point to help my my case. I'm sure. Yes. 